The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies, the North Dakota nomad, the shale play prophet, broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern, Provolone, is manning the production elements of this podcast. Coming up on today's program, we're going to have Terry Vaughn with Acid Tank Leasing. Going to join us a little bit later on the Bach and Barbecue phone lines, talking about some frack-style acid tanks. According to Vaughn, his company has never had one single acid spill in his history. So why not start at the top and find out how Terry Vaughn with Acid Tank Leasing is getting it done out there with some frack-style acid tanks. Also on the tail end of the program, Tiffany Wilson with Aries Buildings going to give us an overview of their services, building options from temporary housing to mobile offices. But I'll tell you another thing that she talks about, how they moved some of their units from Tioga down to the Permian and Delaware Basin. So they, there is a little bit of a shift out there, and Tiffany Wilson with Aries Buildings gives us an update. And for those of you out there that are looking for those little economic indicators and things to look for that, that you like to read the tea leaves, spoiler, Tiffany Wilson has one because if you follow the mobile Temporary housing, I forget what they're called, crew camps, man camps, temporary housing, mobile offices, all kinds of different things. You folks know what I'm saying, so I, I don't please don't get caught up on the correct language these days because I grew up in the man camp era and then the crew camp era. Now I believe it's temporary housing, I believe is the correct term. But anyway, uh, that is a good indication about uh, where some activity is for, for economic uh, stimuli, if you will. So Tiffany Wilson on the end of the program. It's with our daily update. Terry Vaughn is our featured interview. He's with Acid Tank Leasing. We have headlines coming up in just a bit. Our sponsor today, who we are very grateful for, Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is an engineering design and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment, refining and petrochemical processing equipment. They manufacture the equipment with the highest standards per ASME Boiler and Pressure Vessel Code, Section 8, Division 1, and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. For more information, visit AbsoluteEnergyField.com. That's AbsoluteEnergyField.com. Of course, if you go to our podcast show page at thecrudelife.com, We've got featured events, featured sponsors, our interview links, all kinds of things, and the link to Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is there. As is the featured event for today, the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners Networking and Industry Discussion with Chairman Wayne Christian, that's Railroad Commission Chairman Wayne Christian, who's been on the program before, and Senator Pete Flores, that's uh, March 10th. The links are available at thecrudelife.com. We do have an uh, email out to them to have them come on the program to give us a little bit more information about that. But if you're marking your calendars and your Google calendars and whatnot, March 10th, 2020, Permian Association Pipeliners Network and Association Discussion with Railroad Commission Chairman Wayne Christian and Senator Pete Flores. 
The Earth's champion Johnny Green with his Eco Watch has sent us a fantastic article about really, I think this is a dig at me, to be honest. It's um, uh, from The Hill. What's he doing on The Hill? Boy, I tell you, when Johnny Green comes around, who knows what he's going to look up, but it usually has something to do with wind. See, Johnny Green is the Earth's champion. He has the 15 pounds of eco authority to prove it. And he goes out, he plants trees, he recycles, he helps communities, all kinds of different things. But his message is pretty simple. Cell phones are the number one polluter on the planet. They're a three-headed monster. You've got the data centers, which need air conditioning as well as emit carbon for every text you do. You've got the manufacturing of the cell phones. And then you also have the distribution and the collecting of the rare earth minerals. It's really a three-headed polluter. And so Johnny Green talks about that but he also says renewables ain't doable without fossil fuelables so we like to sponsor johnny green he's our kind of environmentalist he says if you power down your cell phones for an hour a day you can keep driving your suv and pretty much most people are pretty conscious about recycling so he's he's pretty down to earth but he likes to send me the wind energy ones because he knows i'm not a huge fan of it and neither is he actually johnny green does not believe that wind energy is the right direction. Renewables ain't doable without fossil fuelables. And what we've got here is Hawaii protests show why wind energy can't save us from climate change by Robert Bryce. Oh, Robert Bryce has been on the program before. He's a couple times, actually. I believe he's out of the Manhattan Institute, and he's going to be speaking at the Denver Petroleum Institute's luncheon coming up as well. So look at that. Provolone, did you know how tightly knit this energy community is? I mean, can you believe that? Anyway, out in Hawaii, protests, there's lots of protests there. So here's, here's the first paragraph, folks. Check this out. Since mid-October, some 128 people on the island of Oahu have been arrested while protesting a wind energy project being built near the small village of Kauaki. The project is planned to include eight turbines standing 568 feet tall. Many of the arrests occurred after protests blocked trucks carrying equipment to the site. The protests continued on November 1st when about 30 anti-wind protesters occupied the office of Honolulu Mayor Kirk Caldwell for three hours. Of the many land use conflicts that have erupted during the past decade, over the proposed renewable energy projects, the protests at Kauaki are remarkable, both in their duration and the number of people who've been arrested. To be sure, anti-wind protests such as the one in Kauaki don't get the type of media coverage that is given to protests involving oil pipelines. I agree with that 100%, Johnny Green. And that is why we're talking about it right now, because there are a number of wind protests out there. There's a number of uh, wind protests from communities in the United States outside of Hawaii. In fact, there was one in Ohio the other day. And outside of the local newspaper, they do not, and even that, they don't even get a lot of times. People show up to these town hall meetings, pounding their fist against these wind turbines because I'll tell you it, it the shadow alone can almost give you an epilepsy at times because it's you were looking at a sunset and all of a sudden you see this shadow just going up a wind turbine when it's working so it's there's a lot of problems of course NIMBY like most things but this type of NIMBY not in my backyard 
doesn't seem to get covered by Reuters or Washington Post or CNN or anything like that. But the Keystone Pipeline, you bet, that'll get round-the-clock coverage. Let's see what we have next here on the agenda for the Crude Life podcast. All right, we have the Moody River Band is our music that you're hearing today as part of our Crude Life music crossover. We also have, just coming up in just a minute or two, headlines. And then we've got Tiffany Wilson at the tail end of the program. She's with Aries Buildings. And Terry Vaughn with Acid Tank Leasing is our featured interview for today. We're going to take a brief pause and we come back. Headlines, the very popular headlines, right here on the Crude Life Podcast. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, the Davis Refinery. Well, you're my surfboard, baby, let me be your boogie Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees, the North Dakota nomad, the shale play prophet, coming to you from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern provolone is manning the production elements of this podcast. And coming up right now, it's headlines time here. The headlines are very simple. We read the headline, the first couple paragraphs, because that is the way the average person is reading today's news. And quite honestly, that's probably a big way, the way fake news gets created. You know, you start with an actual news story. Somebody reads the headline and the first couple paragraphs. And then from there, it gets morphed into the blogosphere and the talk radio sphere and the reaction sphere. And then all of a sudden, Mandela's effect comes in and boom, there you go. Forrest Gump is a real person. Okay, what do we got today? Naturalgasintel.com. Epic crude oil pipeline enters service, connecting Permian Eagleford supply with Gulf Coast demand. Oh, I see Epic's the name of the company. It's not an Epic Crude. Okay. Epic Crude Holdings LP said Wednesday that its 30-inch pipe diameter. Epic Crude Oil Pipeline, which connects West and South Texas supply with the Gulf Coast demand, has entered service. The pipeline extends from Orla, Texas to the port of Corpus Christi, transporting crude from the Permian Midland to the Delaware Basin sub-basins, as well as the Eagleford Shale. Well, there you go, folks. You got... Corpus Christi, you got Orla, Permian, Midland, Delaware, Eagle Ford Shale. You got all the names you've been hearing over the last couple of years. It's nice to see Corpus Christi get in there again. Uh, Ian Vasi has been a guest on the program a number of times. He's with the uh, Economic Development Corporation down in Corpus Christi. And for a while there, we were following their growth because they've got a number of projects that are just slated to come online. And this is one of them. This is one of them. In fact, we should probably revisit with Ian Bossy down there to uh, talk about where they're at down in Corpus Christi. Orla, Texas, of course, we heard Target Hospitality. They just opened a new workforce housing camp there. We've also heard a few people talk about moving equipment down from 
other shale plays to the Delaware Basin, the Eagleford. You're starting to hear other names besides the Permian down in Texas. So it, you're seeing some shifts happening, folks. You, you really are. And this, this pipeline is part of that. It's part of it. So uh, very good news coming out of the oil and gas industry with Epic Crude Oil Pipeline entering service. All right, coming up next from click2houston.com. It looks like a local television station out of Houston. The headline reads, Oil and gas business leaders discuss the impact of coronavirus impact on the Houston economy. The world is paying close attention to the coronavirus. As the global death toll of the epidemic rises to more than 2,700 people, there is a growing concern about the virus's impact on the global and local economy. Now, there's a lot of fake news coming out about the coronavirus, so let's veer away from the headline portion, if you will, please, provolone, because I really don't want to add to the hype on this, so I'm going to actually just go over some facts here. As of Thursday morning, the coronavirus surpassed 82,000. It had reached all six of the seven continents, not all six continents, there's seven of them now. Since there was Pangea, there was just one, folks. So uh, anyway, and then, of course, you know, because of oil and gas and fracking, we now have seven continents, right? Anyway, it's on six continents now, not to make light of this. Those 82,000 cases came from tracking at John Hopkins University. There has been 2,801 deaths worldwide. 2,700 and, well, 2,747 is out of China. The United States has been zero. So we're not at pandemic territory yet, but do keep in mind, pandemic is just a term of the spread potential from person to person. It's not necessarily the environment out there. It's not necessarily the devastation, if you will, so or, or even a reality. So when they're throwing out the word pandemic there has been pandemics in the past uh, i'm thinking of the last one h1n1 was the last pandemic i believe that was the official pandemic that was back in 2009 and i want to say it was over 12,000 deaths just a little bit over not quite 20 uh, 12,500 but just right around there worldwide though it was close to half a million deaths depending on which study you looked at some of them said a couple hundred thousand, and I remember a couple of them said 500,000. So the H1N1 pandemic was a pandemic, and it was the last one, I believe, that was considered the labeled term. There's been some close ones in the past uh, 10 years, but taking a look at what we're dealing with now in terms of the coronavirus I would really advise you folks to go out and do some research on this simply because the, the B footage, the B roll and, and the stock photography of you have masses of people walking together, wearing masks. As long as they have that type of visual, they can speculate all day long. And at the end of the day right now, we're still holding this. We're still containing this. So let's not push fear to that next level. But at the same time, we need to be prudent and diligent and not overlook this serious threat. I mean, because again, we, we are at the point to where it is, we're starting to see it spread, but, it, but also we're seeing that it's affecting certain groups more than other in terms of age and infants. And I don't have the specifics on that because I'm still waiting on the authorities to get back on me on that because I have heard quite a bit about that. 
But there is enough out there to see there's certain guidelines, you know, washing your hands for two, three minutes, that sort of thing. There are a number of those guidelines out there to help prevent it. In fact, they're even saying a lot of these masks don't even help. I see there. That's the new selfie now as you uh, travel and wear one of those masks. Hey, any excuse to show that you're having fun while everyone else is worrying that that's uh, post worthy. Is that social media worthy? I don't even know. Is there a term for that? Postable? Or is that like some sort of breakfast snack now? Postable. Hmm. Boy, that's making me hungry just thinking about it. Our last headline here comes from Yahoo Lifestyle. What do we have here? Let's see. Disney unveils new plant-based menu option, the Impossible Burger. Okay. Now you can order an Impossible Burger to go with your funnel cake at Disneyland. The Mickey Mouse Company has named Impossible Foods' signature product a meatless burger designed to look and taste like the real thing, the official preferred plant-based burger of Walt Disney Resort, Disneyland Resort, and Disney Cruise Line. Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, the Impossible Foods has some great backing to be able to get into places because I think this meatless burger craze is, um, it tastes like crap. It's, uh, it doesn't taste like meat. It's close, but I'm what you'd call a foodie. So I tend to enjoy food that tastes good. So this impossible burger and impossible meats and incredible meats and that sort of thing, that is a lot of work to make a salad very unhealthy and look like a burger. If you really have that low self-esteem and you feel that pressured, that you can't order a salad, that you have to have something that looks like ground beef because other people eat hamburgers, maybe your diet is the last thing you should be worried about at that point because the Impossible Burger and all this this, this fake meat is about as healthy as Chef Boyardee. The sodium is off the chart. Whew, doggy, let me tell you. So... In fact, that is one thing you should probably research there because we were talking about researching the coronavirus, but researching the health benefits behind these salad burgers, my guess is they'll make you sicker faster than the coronavirus. Not, again, to be light on the subject, but check out the sodium content in that. And before you get mad at me for saying the things I just said, remember, I'm not the one who's going out there across the country saying that I've got a healthy alternative to meat and it's called an impossible burger, incredible burger and salad burgers. Okay. I'm not the one doing that. I'm the one saying, Hey, I don't agree with you. When I look at your labels and when I look at the research behind how you make those, those are filled with preservatives and with sodium. So to me, that's unhealthy. So that's my opinion on that, folks. And that's the headlines for today. Let's get to the next segment after a quick pause. And I do want to mention our sponsor because we're very grateful for our sponsors. By the way, folks, if you'd like to sponsor The Crude Life, feel free to email me, jason at thecrudelife.com. We can certainly get you some information on how to become a sponsor here at The Crude Life so that we can have a platform for people to come on and talk a little energy, generate some positive energy, some esoteric energy, some original, organic, no script needed, baby, because we're all experts here at The Crude Life Podcast because we 
need sponsors to keep our lights on. And when we turn our lights on, we understand that it's not just the light switch that makes them turn on. It is the hardworking men and women out there. And they're using companies like Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. Now, let me tell you about them, folks. They're an engineer, design, and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment, refining, and petrochemical processing equipment. They manufacture the equipment with the highest standards of ACME boiler and pressure vessel code, section. 8 Division 1 and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. For more information, visit AbsoluteEnergyField.com. That's AbsoluteEnergyField.com. Said I was two years old when John Lennon died. And I was 23 when George said goodbye. Yeah, next go, I think it's Paul, I say. And then there'll be only Ringo to play. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Provolone is our entitled intern. He is manning the production elements within the confines of the Hatch Coaching Studios here. We're going to join Terry Vaughn with Acid Tank Leasing in just a moment. He's patiently waiting on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. Just a reminder, Tiffany Wilson, Aries Buildings, on the tail end of the program. She'll be closing out the show and you know what? Let's just get, is he ready to go? All right, let's uh, get a mic level check. If you wouldn't mind provolone so we can make sure the levels are okay. And I'd like to get right into the interview with Mr. Terry Vaughn with Acid Tank Leasing. Terry Vaughn and the company is Acid Tank Leasing. Appreciate you joining the program here today. And I'm very excited actually, because this is one of those stories that seems to get in the news all the time, but nobody knows anything really about the industry. In North Dakota, where I was born and raised, it, it, it seems like if they spill a thimble of anything out there from salt water to crude oil to, you know, diesel oil, it makes the news. And there's certain numbers and that sort of thing that um, people have to reach before it reports the news. But it seems like it's very small because they're always a there's always some infighting going on between industry and and uh, state and everything like that. But th- I didn't want to get into the politics of that. I just wanted to kind of give you context about how I'm very familiar with with the, you know the spills and and the kind of that side of the industry. So really, what you provide is a solution, 
And that's why we wanted to bring you on the program today was talk more about some of the solutions that you're providing out there within the industry. So thank you for joining the program today. Well, I appreciate that, and I understand what you're talking about. Good news travels slow, bad news travels fast. Oh, isn't that the truth? It, 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 is, it is a crazy world that we're in. It is, you know, and talk to me a little bit about your industry and, you know, why why, why that is the case, you know. I mean, no, nobody ever really highlights you guys on the front page for going in there and taking care of a leak or preventing a leak. Well, I, I mean, I, I've got a long background in, in the oil field, and uh, then my background is also in the painting and, and sandblasting you know, business. And uh, from, from being in the painting and sandblasting and refurbishing oil field equipment, you know, I, I get to see a lot of things that people don't, you know, see. And we just happen to be dealing with uh, the acid side of things, you know, because of the coatings and linings, you know, trying to make, you know, things work and stuff and everything. And, you know, it, it, it didn't take us long to figure out, you know, what, what they got here is really a serious problem. You know, I mean, I, I, being in the oil field, I mean, I'd hear things, but never thought about it until we actually started, you know, refurbishing equipment and stuff and everything. And then I started looking at, you know, some of the regulations. I mean, there's things that people don't even know is a lot of people don't know that. I mean, it's like on the air, you know, you're only allowed to emit, you know, uh, five parts per million in, in uh, pollutants in the air, you know, as far as hydrofluoric acid. So, you know, in the process of rehabbing things, we started looking at, you know, th these are not working. I mean, there's, there's way too many wells, they're flat, you know, I mean, there's no safety features and stuff and everything. And, you know, I mean, technology is wonderful, I mean, of, of what's out there. So we just started looking at things as far as the acid storage deal for, for on-site fracking, you know, what we could do to change this to make it better for the environment, to make it better for safety, you know, and, to, you know, something that would work. And that, that's how I designed and developed what I did. I, I you know, covered uh, the safety end to where, you know, you're, you're hands-free on the gauging, you know, and uh, I covered the environment side of it, you know, for ignitions, you know, ignitions in the product that I uh, developed, uh, you know, we, we emit uh, 0 0.5 to 2.8 parts per million in the atmosphere, and that's, that's it. And uh, so then, you know, I mean, I took a little further. I had a good friend of mine with uh, Continental Resources when I started developing this, and he said, man, he said, Terry, he said, I, he said, I like you, you're a smart guy, but he said, I'm going to tell you right now, he said, it's going to be a tough world changing the oil field to something that really works, but he says, emphasize on safety, 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 and he says, then go back to safety. So, so that's actually what what I did is, I mean, we just built a product that, that we're really proud of and stuff, and then I, then I never stopped, you know, I mean, I, I started with, with a smaller tank because I was having trouble finding a break because of my design uh, that could actually break the steel, so I started with a 380, and then I found a company that could break my steel at longer sheets, so I went to a 480. And, you know, then, then you know, we got that all developed stuff. But in my mind, to make things better, you know, I, I, I got to go beyond this because I'm still building a steel tank that's lined. And, and granted, I, I've got a lining that nobody else has got. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm restricted to say who it is. I mean, I've got an exclusive on it and stuff and everything. But I still got a steel tank that's, uh, you know, lined. And uh, even though I've 
developed everything to where you get a seat before you get a leak and you can find it. We've never had a spill and stuff and everything, you know. I mean, I continuously put money in the business and, and change things and make it better and better and better. And now I'm to the point where I've designed and developed and got patent pending on a polypropylene tank. I mean, I'm still, you know, building the steel tanks, but I've got polypropylene. I mean, we just we look at everything uh, as what can I do to make it better for everyone else? I, I mean, and I, I, I happen to know and understand deeply that I'm not putting syrup in these tanks. I'm putting hydrochloric acid in here, and I have to have something that works. That goes all the way down to our valves, you know. I mean, I actually work with a company and manufactured a valve for me, you know, that holds up the acid. I mean, when I first started out, I just, I had heck, you know, get with service calls and had a valve that was dripping and stuff and everything. And of course, my design, I'm double valve, so, you know, it, it was easy not to have, you know, leaks and spills from the valves, but we just further developed, you know, the, the tank that I designed has got a pitch from the front to back where it'll drain out, you know, easy. I've got a patented, you know, bottom design where it comes out of the bottom. You're not leaving acid, you know, in the tank when you're moving it. I've got a war system where you hook up, you run 30 barrels through it, you know, uh, with the proper solution, you know, of chemicals to neutralize it. You suck it out, it's neutralized. So when you're going down the highway, you meet all DOT regulations because the tank's actually clean. I mean, we, we just continuously develop. I mean, the hardest thing that I, I've had is probably development of, uh, of sensing the levels in the tank. You know, I got an electronic sensing deal. I've literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on the research and development of that system. And we got a system, system now that's, you know, 98 to 99% fail proof, you know, I mean, it's electronic, so we still have a little bit of problem, and we're still spending money in developing that, you know. I mean, it, you know, to me, I look at everything as to make something better. I love the oil field. It's been in my blood my whole life, and the background with corrosion. It was just a fit for me. I wanted to ask you about the different types of spills out there, because, I mean, I get press releases all the time, like I said, from salt water to you know, different kinds of of spills. And I'm thinking acid has got to be one of the most crucial and, and, and important ones to energy companies, really. Uh, just because the way I was raised with the word acid, that stands out. Do, do you, I guess, ta- educate me a little bit on the different types of still, spills when it comes to costs and environment. And obviously, you, you know the acid side of it because that's your profession. But I, I imagine through osmosis, you at least know the difference between, uh, you know, like a saltwater spill and an acid spill. Right. I, I mean, the main thing, what, you, what, what happens to acid, if you, you spill acid, you know, I mean, it, it, it literally, you know, I mean, solidifies, you know, the soil and, you know, eats and stuff and everything, and, you know, until it eventually gets neutralized by eating, you know, the lime and the calcium and stuff, and, and, and it'll, it'll eventually get, you know, neutralized and stuff. But, you know, you, you don't want it to get in, you know, water streams and, you know, just, just like, you know, salt water. I mean, you know, salt water is, is also, you know, a contaminant, but it's not as corrosive, you know, as uh, the acid is. I mean, the problem with the acid, it is so corrosive and stuff, and that was... That was the problem in, in in their design, you know, with frat tanks, you know, and then putting a good lining in them. And, you know, a lot of them got good linings, but, you know, they only hold up for so long. And then when you've got, you know, a tank that's got just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of 
lineal inches of welds in it and stuff, that, that creates potential because in the coating business, you know, the wells and any penetrations to the tank is where you have problems. So, I mean, that was the first thing that I did in my design was, you know, to design a product that I got a third less wells in than a, a standard tank, you know. That, that, that cut out, you know, about everything, you know, is, is by taking care of those wells. You know, the recent shale revolution, if you will, or shale play USA, you know, it's had its $100 oil days and the speed of just growth. And, uh, you know, and also you had some, you know, a new generation of people coming in and, and et cetera. You know, I, I heard stories in, in out in the Bakken about people would use water tanks for acid storage and that type of thing. Basically anything to contain it for a while and then kick the can down the road and worry about it when the next problem comes. Uh, you're in the business. Uh, it, it, is it any, you know, have you heard that? Is that just a, a rumor or is that something that people were doing and, and it's public knowledge and that sort of thing? Because uh, to me, it seems like that that's where your product would come in pretty well. Well, I mean, what, what I've seen from rehabbing, you know, tankers and acid tank and stuff and everything, nobody my son got me going on this, you know, he says, Dad, he says, what, what we're rehabbing is great. Yeah, and he said, we're making a living, that's what we're in business to do, but he said, this is not what you need to be putting acid in. He says, nobody is thinking outside the box. He says, you need to think outside the box, you know, and it was an interesting deal because, you know, I mean, I, I was just like everybody else. This is what they use. They come in and I rehab them. We put the best lining that was possible in there and stuff, and, you know, but it was still a tank that was literally designed, you know, for water, salt water flow back. It wasn't really designed for acid. And, and people are smart, you know, I mean, they, they utilized what they had and they put a lining in it and was making it work the best they could. And, and then, you know, like I said, my, my son brought it up to me, you know, this, this is not right. We're, we're rehabbing these. Yeah, we're making money, Dad. But, you know, he says, people ain't thinking outside the box. You know, and I had asked my son, then I said, okay, you got any ideas? He said, no, Dad, I don't. He says, but, you know, you need to come up with something. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I mean, I, I'm just going to be truthful with you here. I mean, I thought, you know, I, I got a farm background too. I've always farmed, worked in the oil field and stuff. You know, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box, but you know, I'm no dummy and stuff and everything. And I, I mean, what what I what I start, I just start thinking. I, I start. I'm a Christian man. I start praying. And one night, it just it just come to me what I needed to do. I mean, it just it just come to me. And then then I start thinking outside the box. I. Uh, I started getting non-disclosure signed with Halliburton, Basie, Baker Hughes, and I started having meetings with engineers, started showing them designs I had, and I said, you know, this is kind of what I think. Can I get some input from you guys? What's going to make it easier for you guys to hook on, you know, and stuff, you know, make it to where we can have less spills from, you know, the bows and the hooking up and stuff and everything, and I got input, you know, from engineers and stuff and everything. And, and then I just I just put everything together. And it seems like everything that I did a, as we went along and something would arise, you know, can you do this? Well, it's like the tank was already designed for that and it was able to accept that. It's like the first tank that I built. Yeah, in my mind, I had it built for scrubber and stuff, but I, I, I had no scrubber. I hadn't really developed that. I kind of had in my mind what to do and I had the space and the tank built to accept scrubber. And I, I, I got a call from Chesapeake, and they says, 
man, we, we, we love your tanks. You're, you're only emitting 38 parts per million and stuff. But, you know, when we're lining these tanks up on big fracks, he said, we're still getting too many fumes. He says, is there any way that, you know, you can put a scrubber on this tank? And I just kind of laughed. And he goes, did I say something funny? I said, no, sir, you didn't. I said, you said something that I had in my mind way back, but I didn't understand enough about the regulations. I didn't go ahead and develop a tank with the scrubber on it. But I said, sir, I have got a scrubber. I can put a scrubber on it. And we put a scrubber on it. Uh, Chesapeake called in an environmental company out of uh, Kansas City. They did all the testing on it on site and stuff and everything uh, on, a, on a big frag. And, man, it did everything that, that we thought it would do, that I thought it would do and stuff. And it was a simple, you know, scrubber system stuff, not elaborate, didn't cost me a fortune to do. And then that, that opened my world to everything I build now has scrubbers on it, everything that I previously built, I put scrubbers on it, and then that's where we start developing the electronics to keep guys' hands off the acid, you know, where you don't have to stick a stick down in it and pull it out and look at your gauge, and, you know, it's, it's a closed system. Wanted to ask you about, you know, you mentioned corrosion a few times, and that's obviously one of the reasons why you're joining us today is because there's, there's aging infrastructure happening across the United States. So not only is this a discussion about you know spills and preventive uh, technology that's out there but uh, the aging containers I, I would imagine I mean we got aging bridges and aging pipelines and containers that I, I don't imagine anybody's talking about that because I, I don't see it anywhere but as long as I have you on the horn here um, how, how are the containers doing as far as uh, the aging behind it my guess is there needs to be a, uh, a remodel done if if, if there isn't bridges and pipelines, too? Well, I, I mean, and, and that's a good point. And, and, and what happens, you know the oil field just like I do. It's, it's up and down. It's never, it's never steady. And, and what happens in the corrosion deal is these guys have had acid in these tanks, and then the oil field will slow down, and then their tanks will just sit there and stuff and everything. I, what I've seen probably create more problems than anything is what people don't understand. You take a tank that's had acid in it, it ain't been flushed and cleaned properly and neutralized, and then they say maybe you kind of rinse it out, you left some residue in it, and then it's just sitting there. Well, that's actually worse on a tank than it is if I have acid in it. You know, the way my lining works, you know, I would rather have the hot acid in it all the time and have it full and less times empty. That's why I developed the system in it to where it wrenches and neutralizes in it. So if I do sit for periods of time, it's not corroding and, and, and eating away because what happens with acid in coatings, there's a permeation process. I mean, it's actually permeating in through the lining, and it will eventually get to the steel unless you neutralize that. And then, you know, my background in the corrosion, you know, I mean, I, I've done large bridge structures, sandblasting, painting, you know, because of the corrosion in the mill-scale building and, you know, I mean, uh, at connection joints, you know, that'll build up, you know, actually put pressure and create problems and that's where you get get breaks. You know, the difference in a container and stuff is you're getting permeation and once it gets to the weld, the weld would go really fast, you know, penetration because you've changed the molecular makeup of that steel you know, once you weld it on it. I've literally had tanks in that we've refurbished, you know, not my tanks, but other tanks that I seen bare spots on the steel and stuff, and I didn't see no corrosion. 
but when I seen a bare spot next to uh, a weld or a penetration, I mean, the corrosion was unbelievable. I mean, it happened so fast and stuff and everything. So. I've got a different question for you here, too. Uh, as long as we're talking about the changeover and some of the aging infrastructure, that sort of thing, green technology innovation when it comes to energy I find it fascinating because something as simple as how the bend in a pipe is done, something as simple as a tank design can be the difference of, of something being green or not and, and reducing emissions to X amount of percentages and that sort of thing. Does your design and your, your company uh, have products that, that kind of fall into that category where you've mentioned, you know, it's a innovative Ways. So how about on the green side and the environmental side? No, and, and I, I mean, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that I, I'm not old school. You know, I might be 60 years old, but I, I, I love the green technology, and I think it coincides with, you know, the, the older technology, and I, I believe that's the way that it's got to work. You know, I mean, some of this politician stuff that you're hearing, you know, green, green, shut this down stuff and everything, that's, that's not common sense thinking to me. You know, you want to build your green technology. You want the environment to, to, to be better and better and better. But, but you can't do away with what you're doing right now. You just got to continue to work it better. And then you continue to work on the green technology and stuff where, where you can, you know, perfect it and stuff. And then, then you replace some of the other technology. I mean, the petroleum industry is not going to go away. It's not going to go away for a long time because... We're, we're not to the point we need to be in, in society, you know, with the green technology and, and the cost and stuff. It's just like my tanks or anybody's tanks and stuff with green technology acid. I mean, they've got what they call the green technology acid. Literally, guys can stick their hands in it, and it won't burn you and create your problems and stuff and everything. But, you know, there's drawbacks with, with a lot of things. What happens with this green technology acid you're using is actually more corrosive than, than what the hydrochloric acid is as far as to the steel and the product that you're putting it in. I mean, it's really corrosive, and then, and then if you spill it, it, it still, you know, creates some environmental problems and stuff. So actually, the green technology for, for helping, you know, as far as safety and the guys not getting burned stuff, you know, I mean, some aspect it's what I'm seeing in here, and it's, it's better than some aspects it's not, but you still got a corrosion problem, and it's more corrosion, uh, you know, on tanks and steel and stuff than uh, the regular acid. How many different shale plays are you guys currently in? Oh, shoot. I mean, I've got seven locations right now in Texas. We're in New Mexico, uh, you know, natural I cover South Texas, the Permian Basin and stuff. I've got tanks up in uh, Utica, you know, in West Virginia and in Ohio, and uh, we're up in Montana. And we, we've had some uh, tanks up in your area. I'm just getting in y'all's area. It's, that's a different area for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a new guy, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy that started out with nothing, you know. I, I, I spent every dime I'd saved up my whole life to get my patent and to build my first prototype. And I, I, I really am a blessed person. I went to the bank to get started. I'm broke. I'm building my prototype. I spent all the money I saved my whole life. You know, my wife, she's nervous, you know, but she's got 
you know, trust and faith in me and stuff and everything. I go to the bank and I borrow five hundred thousand dollars on a signature loan to to get me going and stuff because the bank seen my product, they seen my patent, and they go, "Dang, you got something that's going to work." We we got faith in you, and then that's all history. I mean, I've got just over a hundred tanks right now. I'm building a tank a week. I'm fixing it up that to two tanks a week and stuff, and. I'm just I'm, I'm going to try to cover the market the best I can. So I'm 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 really spread out, but I'm I'm real particular about where I set up you know yards and stuff and everything you know because we we got to have people work with us you know to to make it work. Is there a difference between the the different shale plays when it comes to your product? I know that you know you go two feet in the soil and you got to have a different you know chemist on hand to tweak the fracking solutions and then you've got wet gas and dry gas and so you've got you know d- differences there when when it comes to your product is it is it more universal than specific or is it really specific like you know the examples i gave i i'm i i'm in the shell place to where it takes ass to break down you know the formation and stuff for them to extract the oil and gas if they're if they're not using acid I'm, I'm not going to be there. I mean, uh, I, I've, I've got to be in the areas where there's acid play. And, you know, mo- most areas, that there, there is some acid. Some areas there's a lot of acid. And, you know, some, some, some areas where they're not using a lot of acid, you know, for the formation, they're using it to dissolve, you know, the, the plugs and stuff. I mean, that's, that's one thing about me. I'm, 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 my background in the, in the oil field has been, you know, corrosion and, and coatings and stuff. And then when I was a young man, you know, I, I, I drilled and then I, I pushed tools for about four years, you know, for a company, you know. So I, I can't answer your question directly, you know, in in, in the acid uh, or the formations, shell formations, other than, you know, I pay attention to whether you're using acid and whether you're using acid, that's where I go because I'm, I'm after the acid market and uh, making it safer for everybody. Well, kind of let people know a little bit about it uh, as we as we wrap up here. How people can contact you and and uh, you know how how you're saving people money. You know, go ahead and give yourself a little bit of a plug because we appreciate you coming on and informing us on uh, you know the acid spills and how to prevent it and how you guys are causing some solutions out there in the oil field. Well, we're we're not going to stop for what we're doing. We're going to continue developing what we got and making it better and better because. I mean, I'm making a living by doing that, and I'm making the environment safer. I'm making it safer for people, and I'm saving oil companies a lot of money with the product because we're not having the spills. Yeah, I, I just thought I'd mention, too, you know, the product, you know, was as far as, uh, you know, covering uh, the wash and wrenching, you know, that's a valuable, valuable asset of the tank is when you finish up on location, you know, we talked about the, you know, the corrosives of the acid and stuff and guys leaving acid in the tank a little bit and stuff uh, and, and it, you know, create problems for them and stuff as far as permeation in the coatings. Well, how I address that, I actually added a wash system to the tank that washes the system out from top to bottom, front to back, and, and jets, you know, everything out in the tank and stuff and everything, and then you suck it out through the bottom drawl. So, I mean, that that's a feature that I that I added to the tank. And then I also, you know, for filling a lot of 
uh, companies, they, they want to roll the materials in the tanks or mixing uh, their antifungicides or corrosion inhibitors or acid or water to come up with the solution they want. So I'm, I'm set up where you draw out of the bottom and then where, where I put uh, the solution back into the tank, you know, it comes in midway. It's, it's built to where it creates a roll in the tank and it actually turns everything in the tank mixes it up real well. Now, you mentioned you're in, in, in several shale plays across the United States, from the Marcellus to several down in Texas. Uh, where's your home base located? The, ho- the home base is in Enid, Oklahoma. That's, that's where I originate from. been there my whole life and stuff, and that's, that's where our manufacturing facility uh, is, is in Enid, Oklahoma. And uh, do you have a website or phone or anything like that you want to leave behind? Yeah, the website is www.acetakeleasing.com and it's a nice website we got a video that explains all the features uh, of the tank and what we're capable of doing and it, that'll give you our phone number all of our contact information everything about the company to listen to the full-length interview visit the crudelife.com and here's to the sound of one hand clapping and here's to not letting this moment pass. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, the Davis Refinery. that's going to do for today's crude life podcast my name is jason spies i'd like to thank you folks for joining us all of the interviews you heard today in the segments are available at the crudelife.com on our show page we have all the links available there i would like to thank mr terry vaughn for coming on today's program acid tank leasing is the company also tiffany wilson going to join us in just a moment or two with aries buildings Provolone, excellent job today putting together the production elements of the show as well as getting the headlines together. I'd like to thank Absolute Energy Field Products and Services for being our sponsor. If you'd like to sponsor The Crude Life and be a show sponsor here on the podcast, feel free to give me an email, jason at thecrudelife.com. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is an engineering, design, and manufacturer of oil, gas, production equipment, refining, and petrochemical processing equipment. They manufacture the equipment with the highest standards as per ASME Boiler and Pressure Vessel Code, Section 8, Division 1, and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. For more information, visit www.absoluteenergyfield.com. That's right, Provolone. Every now and then I still throw out Triple W because that's what I said 20 years ago when the interweb was first starting to catch on. I'd say that was the hip way to say it back then. Triple W because everybody was going www. And then I would just say Triple W 
And then eventually I just dropped the WWW because I would say W and then W and then W. It would have three different pronunciations of W. So absoluteenergyfield.com. Also our featured event today, the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners Network and Industry Discussion with Railroad Commission Chairman Wayne Christian and State Senator Pete Flores, March 10th. 2020. The link is available at the crudelife.com podcast show page. The Earth's champion Johnny Green has got his Hawaii protest story up there as well. And that's going to do it for today. I'd like to thank the Moody River Band one more time for being our Crude Life music crossover. Hatch Coaching for sponsoring our studio and Bakken Barbecue for being our phone line sponsor where we're going to catch up with Tiffany Wilson with Aries Building in about 30 seconds. From the staff here at the Crude Life Podcast, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. We were ready the rhyme and rhythm to code each note and every measure. Together we will make a rich living, phrasing and composing new lyrical treasure. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Tiffany Wilson from Aries Buildings. She gives an overview of their services, including temporary housing, the mobile offices, the classrooms, but she also talks about their growth in Texas, having to relocate some units from the Bakken down to the Permian. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Tiffany Wilson with Aries Buildings, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. Well... We sell space. I mean, that's what I'm known for. I sell space um, primarily to the oil and gas industry, but uh, we, that's what we do and uh, very well at it. Uh, we started in North Dakota. We're down here in Texas now. Um, loving every bit of it. Storage unit, mobile offices. Uh, we've got mobile clinics going around. We've got classrooms. We just put in a Women's Leadership Academy in Midland, Texas, out in the Permian. Um Primary focus right now is workforce housing, though. We also do um, well site quarters, um, but we're going for workforce housing, oil and gas industry. That's where it's at. <laughs> you were up in Watford City with some workforce housing, correct? Yes, sir. We sure are. Uh, Watford City. You are. Excuse me. I used the I used the past tense there when I should have been using the present <laughs> tense. So my apologies. No, we've got we've got a big one going there. It's uh, almost a 400 bed camp. Um, everyone seems to really love it there. We've been in Watford since 2014. We started in North Dakota back in 2012. Um, due to the demand in the Permian Shell, we have moved two of our spots in Williston and Tioga down here to the Permian and Delaware Basin. But we ha- do still have Watford City in North Dakota. We love the Bakken. Where did you guys move to down in the Permian? I wasn't able to write with my notes fast enough. So um, uh, repeat that cycle, if you wouldn't mind. We have moved Tioga, North Dakota, and Williston. We moved those two temporary housing into the Delaware Basin over by Orla, Texas. And we've moved them out by Odessa um, is the Permian show. Um, Just due to the demand, we've had so much. um, Everyone's... uh, wants to move into the Permian, and there's such a need for temporary housing out here. Um, Whether it's due to the oil and gas industry, we've had a lot of solar companies, uh, pipeline. It's just a a really busy place to be right now. So 
To listen to the full-length interview with Tiffany Wilson with Aries Buildings or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Be sure to check out our daily podcast every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday, available at thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
Cause we're back to the way The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday, with a week in review on Friday. Well, I was tears old when John Lennon died. Well, I was 23 when George said goodbye. Yeah, next go, I think it's Paul, I say. And then there'll be only Ringo to play Well, Gandhi says now for now makes the whole world blind And I was two years old when John Lennon died I was born under a harvest moon And I wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon And I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died I've lived, yeah, you know that I've tried Well, I've told the truth, yeah, you know that I've lied You know we do what we do so we can survive And I was two years old when John Lennon died 